Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message is a continuation in the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning. We're looking in the Gospel of Luke. We've been going through Gospel of Luke. We're looking today in chapter 14. Luke 14, we're picking up at verse 34 today. Verse 34, verse 35. These are, uh, once again, Jesus' words, His teaching. So Luke 14, verse 34, verse 35. So Jesus says this. He said, you know, salt, it's good. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, will you bless us as we study your word. We really do want to grow in wisdom and knowledge. I pray that you and your Holy Spirit would have a freedom to move and to speak to us. And Lord, may we be able to see your will done today. We thank you for all that you do. And we pray your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you graduate, a lot of times people will give you advice. Lance talked about that this morning in his devotional. And uh, Dave Barry used to write uh, newspaper articles. Many people would read him in his column. And so he said this. He said, after 50 years, here's some advice that he had. Now, this was not just necessary for graduates. This is just, just advice in general. He said, never lick a steak knife. That's uh, pretty good advice. He said, if you have... Uh, if you had to identify one word, the reason that the human race has not achieved and will never achieve its full potential, that word would be meetings. <laughs> there is a very fine line between having a hobby and a mental illness. That's what he said. Uh, a person who is nice to you but rude to the waiter is not really nice. Never under any circumstances take a sleeping pill and a water pill on the same night. <laughs> so that's just some of his advice. I don't know if you can use that as graduates, but, uh, but nevertheless, okay, there's some advice for you. You know, there's such a thing, I think, as bad advice that people give you. And so many times as graduates, people say things to us, and it's really not good advice. And uh, so I just want you to just be aware of that sometimes people mean well but it doesn't mean that you need to follow what they say and so I just listed a, just a few things to start with for you and I really believe that Jesus is going to in, in our passage is going to help us to see this, this really isn't good advice and so bad advice to graduates some people may just tell you I had this told to me it's okay just to be average it's okay just to be like everybody else and just to fit in. It's okay. You know, you may be used to being a good student, but it's okay now if you're not because you're just moving on. I'll tell you what's wrong with that. If you set a goal to be, instead of an A student, a B student or a C student, and then something goes wrong, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to just be average. You see, as a Christian, I really believe the Lord wants us to be better than that. 
He wants us to be better than that. It's not that He wants us just to, not to have fun. He wants us to have fun. But He doesn't want us just to settle. And so sometimes we do that. So that's bad advice. It's okay to be average. Well, you, you go ahead and do your best. Be quality. If you're going to go and do a job, do the job correctly. Don't be lazy about it. Do a good job. Here's a second thing that people tell you. I've heard it, I've heard it told. You're young. Going to college, go sow your wild oats. Everybody does that when you're young, right? Everybody does that. You're away from your parents. You're on your own. No responsibility or accountability. Can I tell you something? I don't care how old you are. You are accountable to your actions. You're responsible for the things that you do. There's many a college student that has become addicted to drugs or alcohol by taking this advice. There's many of them that have flunked out of school by taking this advice. Many that have had to pay for abortion or have an abortion taken of a life because they've taken this advice. Go sow your wild oats. Listen, I'm not opposed to having fun and trying new things, but I am opposed to saying, you know what, I'm a Christian and I'm just going to lay that aside and I'm going to go do whatever. That's bad advice. And there's many people that will give you and say, that's okay. Then some will say, hey, be a secret Christian. Is there really such a thing? It's going to be easy for you, easier for you, if you're at work and you don't uh, promote Christ. People won't give you a hard time. They won't expect you you're, to be perfect. Or if you go to a classroom, you won't have to defend marriage today, traditional marriage. You won't have to defend the Ten Commandments or Noah's Ark or creation. So just be a secret Christian. Don't let people know. Again, Jesus has called us as Christians to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth. And then some will tell you. In fact, I had one, when I was growing up, one of my friends, this is what he said. I'll become a Christian after I'm 25. Not before, because I heard some things I want to do that God won't be pleased with, and so I'm putting that off. Let me tell you what's wrong with that. You see, when you become a Christian is when the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, and you never know when that's going to happen. And so when God is dealing with you, that's when you want to be able to respond. Also, young people, accidents happen all the time. Diseases still take place. And people, you never know when you're going to enter into eternity. You never know. So here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, salt is good. He said, and he's comparing us as Christians with salt. He said it's good. But what happens if salt loses its flavor? What happens if it loses its saltiness? Let me tell you something about salt. Potassium chloride, it is a solid compound. Which means it's not likely to separate. Salt is meant to stay salt. But now, in Jesus' day, most of their salt came from the Dead Sea. And sometimes it could get diluted. And it would become something like what they called gypsum. 
And when it happened, when it was like that, it was no good at all. They used salt for a lot of different things. Sometimes they would even put it on the manure pile, fertilize, and it would help it to last longer. But this gypsum would just have the opposite effect. It was no good for that. You couldn't even put it in there. You couldn't put it on the manure pile. And so it was no good whatsoever. Here's what Jesus is letting us know. Is a Christian that takes off and is no longer living for Christ, what good are they for? It's kind of like this gypsum or this salt that's lost its saltiness. It doesn't accomplish much. And so Jesus is challenging us to be more than that. See, that's why I come. This is a good message for graduates. The Lord's telling us, you know what? You're moving on. Now it's time to be able to consider if you're really going to be a disciple or not. Now, let me put the context of this together. The context is, is that Jesus tells us disciple really does count the cost. He counts the cost. He tells us in verse 28, For which of you attending to build a tower, I didn't read verse 28, does not sit down first and count the cost. He's talking here about discipleship. He said, you know, if somebody's going to build a tower, they're going to build a building. They're not just going to start building without counting the cost. Because if they get halfway done, people are going to say, they couldn't even finish that. They weren't very smart. He said, if you're going to be a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you're truly going to follow Christ. You need to weigh out the cost. And so Jesus had mentioned a couple of things before that. First in verse 25. Verse 25 is one uh, in verse 26 that just stuns people. He was in front of a great multitude. Verse 26 says this, If anyone comes to me, does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own wife, also he cannot be my disciple. And now some people are like, you know, I'm glad you're going to talk about that. I have a problem with that. Let me tell you, there are two things about this verse, two things that will help you understand it. One is hyperbole, and the second, comparison. Now, before I talk about those, let me just say that Jesus, remember on the Sermon on the Mount, said, you need to love your enemies. Be good to those that can't pay you back. Jesus called people out for not honoring their father and mother. So let's just get one thing settled. Jesus, He loves people, and He teaches us that we need to love other people. Okay? So what's Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus, one, is using hyperbole. So that is a way in which you can teach, which you kind of exaggerate to be able to get people's attention. Because when you use the word hate, that gets people's attention. Second, whenever you use this word hate, it's a comparison. And so basically what Jesus is saying is, your devotion to me in comparison to someone else could make you think you hate them. Because you're so devoted to me. So in essence, here's what Jesus is saying. This is, he's saying, I want to be number one in your life. You know what the great commandment is? When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? You know what he said it was? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know what that means? I want to be number one in your life. I want to be, more, I want to be the most important relationship. More important than anything else, your relationship and walk with me. Why would that be? 
Because God is your creator. God is your designer. He's the one that sustains your life. He's the one that provides you with eternal life. And he's saying, I want to be number one. You know what the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is? To worship the Lord your God and Him only. What's that mean? He wants to be number one. Number The second commandment, you know what it is? Not to worship idols. Don't take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. What's those commandments about? They're about Jesus being, or God being number one. That's what it's about. The Lord wants to be first in your life. So, young people, the Lord today is challenging you. He said, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to be first. You go off to school, I want to be first. I want to develop a relationship with you. And I want to be number one in your life. Then, in verse 27, Jesus says this. He said, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You really want to be my disciple? Jesus says, here's something else you've got to do. You've got to be willing to bear a cross. What's that mean? It means this. Sacrifice is part of being a Christian. Jesus laid down his life. And they would be some throughout history, that have been martyrs. They laid down their life. They loved the Lord so much, they said, I'm giving my life to serve God. Now, not everybody's called or has to do that. We're not put in positions where you have to lay down our lives. But I'll tell you what, it'd be something to be so committed to God. If He's number one, that Lord, I'm willing to lay down my life. But I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to go out on a limb for you. And if you're going to be a disciple... Jesus said, you count the cost because that's what I'm asking. That's part of the call to be willing to sacrifice. Now, before I move on, let me just remind you of a few things that go with being a disciple. If I'm going to be a disciple, part of the reason that Jesus says you count the cost is because these things are true, okay? If I'm a disciple, here's one thing that's true. The Holy Spirit lives within me. The Holy Spirit lives within me. Let me give you a couple of verses that kind of just help you a little bit to, to see this. One is 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 16. So that's kind of an easy one to remember. John 3, 16. Well, 1 Corinthians 6, 3, 16. All right, here's what it says. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If you become a Christian, here's what makes you unique and different. Jesus said, you're like the temple because God's Spirit has come and indwelt you. He lives inside you. Here's chapter 6. It says something very similar. Chapter 6, verse 20 of 1 Corinthians. Or verse 19. I'll start with verse 19. He said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have for God, and you are not your own? For we are bought with a price. You're the temple. The Holy Spirit lives within you. When I was in college, we used to have revival teams that would go out. So they would have some people that would do skits. So one of the skits that they did was that a, when you become a Christian, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, lives within you and walks with you. And so here's a college student that was invited to do some things they shouldn't do. And so you know what they ended up doing? They took Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm going to go to this party. But you're not going to like it, so I don't want you to go. 
But Jesus, when you become a Christian, the Lord's with you everywhere you go. And so he kept going with him. And this guy said, wait a minute, I told you, Jesus, you can't come. You won't like this. And you know what he ends up doing? He ends up taking him and nailing him to the wall. It's like nailing him to the cross. The Holy Spirit lives within you if you're a Christian. You need to keep that in mind. You know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to be at work in your life. He's not going to let you enjoy sin. He's going to continue to work. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Spirit of God that lives within you. And when there are certain things that you do, you'll certainly grieve. You'll break God's heart. Let me tell you something else. When you become a Christian, because the Spirit of God lives within you, you now have purpose and meaning in life. Very few people have purpose in their life. You have purpose. What do you mean I have purpose? You know, we were created in the image of God to be able to have fellowship with God and to know Him. We can't do that because of sin, but because Jesus Christ has come, and when you become a Christian, you now have a relationship with God, and so now you can have that relationship and you can glorify Him. You were created with the purpose of being able to honor and glorify God. And we want to be able to do that in everything that we do. We want to glorify God. <laughs> Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're representatives of heaven. That's a purpose. We are also His witnesses to tell other people about Jesus Christ. That's a purpose. Even a young person, if you're a Christian, you're going to school, or you're going to work, you are an ambassador. You have meaning. You have purpose in your life. Here's the third thing. As a Christian, you have peace. You have peace with God. So many people today have no peace. They're just searching and looking. But as a Christian, you have peace. Here's Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace comes from knowing Him. You have peace. And here's the last thing. I want you to keep in mind, this is true of all Christians. Eternity is on your mind. Have you ever thought about that? I hope that as a Christian, that eternity, you think about it. I don't know if you're like this. I'll go to a ball game, and I'll look around in the crowd, and here's what I know. The majority of people are not Christians. You go to a concert. You go to a movie. You go set into a large class at college. Most likely, the majority of people that you're with aren't Christians. If something was to happen to any of them on the way home, it won't be good. They're spending eternity without God. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. Is there anything I can do about that? Is there any role that I can play to be able to help that situation? They very well could be. And God wants you to keep in mind eternity is real. People aren't prepared for it. And He wants you to be able to be a, an instrument used to make a difference for Him. That's why when Jesus said, you know, salt is good. You know, it's not the first time that Jesus had mentioned salt. In fact, on the Sermon on the Mount... Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. 
Jesus looked at the disciples and he said this. He said, you, you're the salt of the earth. You. He's talking about people that are his followers. He's talking about people that the Holy Spirit would indwell in the future. That means he's talking about you. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You know what salt does? Let me give you three things that salt does. This is why Jesus said this is a good analogy. Salt preserves. Do you know we're living in a world that's full of rot and decay? It's full of death. But salt helps preserve. You see, they didn't have the refrigeration and the things that we have today. And so back in Jesus' day, salt was heavily used to be able to preserve meat, foods. And Jesus is saying, you know, as Christians, you make a difference. Christians, when you go to work, you, you make a difference. You, that place, the hope that they have of surviving, maybe you. Today, do you know there's a lot of stealing among workers? Dishonesty. But if you take on the name of Jesus Christ, that's not you. You're to be a difference maker. You're to be somebody they can count on. You may be the reason that company continues to exist. They may be having a hard time. But because of you, because of your willingness to work, because of your honesty, they survive. Because when you go to school and you're in the classroom, there's a lot of people that are looking for answers. Their life is in decay. They have no peace. They have no purpose. And the Lord wants you to make a difference. We preserve life. Christians. Here's, here's another thing. Christians create thirst. That's what salt does. That's how come in restaurants and bars and different places, they'll have salty peanuts or something because they want you to spend more money because you're going to make you thirsty. Well, Jesus says, you know what? The reason you're the salt of the earth is because you make people thirsty. You make people know that something's missing in their life. And so, how important is it that I stand up and let my faith be known? It's important because there's people that need Jesus. And they may not show it at the beginning, but they're watching. And you began to make them thirsty. Here's what Peter, he wrote and he told us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he said, Always be prepared to give the reason for your hope when asked. You live in such a way that people are going to ask, how come you're different? Be willing to tell them. Be ready to tell them. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It creates thirst. Here's something else salt does. It adds flavor. See, some people think being a Christian means you're boring. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said being a Christian brings excitement. Bring a Christian brings innovation. It's quality. See, people, some, they look at food, they say it's bland. This ain't any good. <laughs> Needs some help. 
and they use salt to be able to help it. He said, that's what Christians do. Christians are innovative. God's not called us to be bland. He's called us to be more than that, to be exciting, to be able to have joy. The Bible speaks of joy unspeakable. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That includes joy. God doesn't, He wants you to have joy. And He wants you to help other people to have joy. So what's all this mean? Here's what it means. Jesus said, salt's good. But what happens when that salt isn't salty? You know what He's asking? Being my follower is good, but what happens if my followers lose me? Aren't focused on me? You know, when I was in college, one day I was reading my Bible, and I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. The Apostle Paul said, Come be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That's what he said. I was reading that, and I thought, that Paul... That's, that, that's something to be able to say that. And I thought to myself, I said, Lord, that's what we need. More people like the Apostle Paul, more people willing to be able to serve you no matter what, to be an example. Not these hypocrites. Always drove me crazy. And then I felt like the Lord saying, Jim, that's what I want you to be. And I was like, well, wait a minute, Lord. I'm talking about me. I'm too young. And it was the Lord's like, that's what I want you to be. It's what I'm calling you to be. Here's what I'm telling you today, young people. God wants to be at work in your life. And you might sense Him even today. You see, Holy Spirit's real. And if you're a Christian, He lives within you and He is going to be at work. Because He desires to have a relationship with you and He desires for you to walk with Him and to be different. He wants you to have purpose and meaning. And so, do you think I'm the only person that he ever, whose life He ever worked in? No. I know. If He worked in my life, He's going to speak to you. And He's telling you, you know what? People need to see somebody that's real. I'm asking you to be real. So, when I was in college, I began to learn to have a relationship with God. Not because my mom or my dad had one. Not because of my pastor or my church. It's because I knew that I needed to be able to walk with God. I began to learn to pray. I began to learn to read the Bible. I began to want to memorize Scripture. My life began to change. I'm telling you something. It's a lie from Satan. Everybody has to sow their wild oats. It's a lie. If you're a Christian, you think that's what God wants? No. Now listen, I'm young. I was young and I made mistakes. 
wasn't perfect. And you won't be either. But you know better than to be able to go and to live like you don't know God, like you don't know Christ. He's calling us to something better. Now, what if I've made some mistakes? What if you're here today and you say, you know what? Uh, that's the, I've chosen to go down the wrong path. I've chosen where I work. I made some bad decisions. You know, normally, salt that's messed up like that, compromise, you can't get that fixed back. But through the miracle of Jesus Christ, He can take your life and change it and use you to make a difference. We just got to be willing to surrender to Him and allow Him to be in charge. And He can do that. God can take the mistakes you made and He can be able to give you purpose and allow you to be a difference maker. And so... Today, I really believe that the Lord's wanted to do that. He's wanted to forgive. And He's wanting you to be the salt of the earth. To be a difference maker. Let's take a moment. Let's have prayer together. Lord, thank You for letting us come today. Thank You, Lord, for each person that's here. That's with us today. Thank You for all of our graduates. And Lord, I just thank You that Your Holy Spirit is speaking. And working our lives. And it's not just graduates. It's some that's graduated maybe a couple years ago, and then some that's maybe it's been quite a while. But Lord, I know that You're willing to forgive and You're willing to help us to be salt, to be able to take a stand, to be able to let other people know that I'm serving Jesus Christ, that I belong to Jesus. It's not that we want to be obnoxious, but Lord, we want to be difference makers. We want to be able to stand for You. So I just ask you could have your way. May your will be done. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jim England. If you missed a sermon or would like to re-listen to a message, you can find Brother Jim on Spotify, Google, and Apple under Stony Point Podcast with Jim England. God bless you.